Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Um, hey, who's ready to encounter God this morning? You ready to go? I... I I know some of you are a little older, you're like, why is this 14-year-old up there talking? You know, like, hey, there's no such thing as a JV Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that's in our grandparents, the same Holy Spirit that's alive in me. I believe, what a beautiful, you guys champion the next generation. A lot of young people here, uh, and I'm believing God's going to do something special this morning. When we go to the Word this morning, it's going to be Matthew chapter 8. Go ahead and read this on the screen. 13, my bad, verse 1 through 8. It says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood at the shore, then he told them many things in parables. I'm going to pause right there for those of you who are maybe new to the scriptures. A parable is really just a story that Jesus tells. But I love Jesus because he's kind of got this like Jordan Peele director bit in him where like he'll tell a story, but there's like this story weaving within the story that we got to pull out as believers because if we can find that nugget, apply it to our life, things will change. So he's telling a story here. It says this, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he went out scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came up and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Verse eight, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Church, I want to tell you this morning that God's plan for your life is to multiply and to produce. What we're seeing here in this passage is Jesus is, is really giving us a picture of, of his message, the seed, the gospel, Jesus, sending a message from heaven to earth for us to receive, and it's one that if we walk into it, it will be counterculture. He's giving us a way to live. He's giving us a way to think, a way to operate that operates in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. He says the seed's going to be sown, but then he gives four illustrations of soil in which it lands on. Now, what is soil? Soil is a location within a person. It's your heart. This morning, what I want to do is I want to have almost like a check engine light on your car of your heart. Where's your heart this morning? Because what's wild about this text, if we think about it, even in context room like this, Jesus is sitting in front of a crowd of people, and he pretty much says this, hey, only about a fourth of you are going to receive what I have to say. And I just wonder how many times in our life have we walked right on past? How many times in our life have we been the ones who have missed it? What I believe about our God is we serve a God of grace, a God of mercy. God that says this, that his mercy and his grace has been following you all the days of your life. You ain't that fast to run away from it. The reality is all we have to do is turn around. We have an opportunity this morning to wherever the posture of your heart is, whatever your context of churches or religion, I just want to tell you this, there's a God who loves you. He's in this place today, and he wants to meet you. I don't care about your background. I don't care about your context. I don't care what you did last night. The reality is, all God asks for us is to show up, just have an open heart. Would you pray with me this morning as we dive into his word? Father, we thank you for being faithful, for being good. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would have a fresh encounter with you, every person here. Father, would not one leave without the opportunity of having a meeting with you. Father, we thank you that every time we gather, and we invite your Holy Spirit here. He is here. So, Father, right now, would you just begin to soften hearts, speak to our hearts? God, would you get me out of the way, and would your agenda be done this morning? 
We love you. We praise you. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, would you say five people around you to see them a high five, say, what's up? I'm glad to see you at church. Let's go. Like I said, um, I'm really suffering for the Lord. Some missionaries sent uh, to San Diego, California. I I'll walk you through some of the mission work that we do. Uh, we surf. Um, we lay it's like 73 every day. Just doesn't change. Um, and it's just beautiful. I have an incredible wife. Her name's Brooke. She's praying for you guys. I wish she could be here this morning. Uh, and we have a dog named Tuesday. Um, he's incredible, man. Like the reason his name's Tuesday is we had a dog named Sunday. Uh, passed away in seven days, God's number of completion. But then we got a dog named Monday right after that, and now we're on to Tuesday. Um, my, my poor son's going to be named like Thursday or something like that. And he's going to be like, so confused with his life. Um, but I, I'm so stoked to be here. Um, we were at your youth conference last night, part of your church family. And, man, God's doing something incredible in the life of young people. I'm, I'm, a, youth, I'm a youth pastor through and through. So if, if I, like, start doing a TikTok dance or something weird like that, like, or I reference Travis Scott, like, just, I, just I'm trying to get it out of me where, you know, um, it's lit. Like, it's just, like, part of what we do. Um, the kids love that. You know, Alex, I feel like you have a little more time this one, maybe? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I, I'll go to places and I'll, I'll, I'll go, like, lift up a shout of praise for Jesus. And the kids will be like, ah, and this is my thing always. I go, I've seen you at a Travis Scott concert, and you're losing your mind. Come on, if you can do it for him, would you do it for Jesus? That's my reference. And all the kids are, like, weeping. Like, they, they relate with it. I'm like, you'll dance for Charlie D'Amelio, but you won't dance for Jesus. And girls are just, like, running to the altar, you know. Oh, my gosh. That's all good. Um, so I'm a youth pastor, and this is uh, about a couple years ago, and I meet this young man. We take him, actually meet him at a school, uh, and like any driven uh, young person under the age of 18, I go, what do you want to do with your life? He goes, be a rapper. And I'm like, all right, for sure. Uh, <laughs> you're white, but no big deal. Um, and, and I remember, like, he, I bring him into our life, and uh, we begin to hang out. And he gives his life to Jesus. We begin to meet at this coffee shop, like, I don't know, once a week on Thursday mornings. And we're on this relationship, just walking, doing life on life. And I remember his mom calls me one day and goes, hey, I... I caught my son doing something, and would you sit down and talk with him? And I'm like, easy, got it. Sit down with him at the Starbucks, and I just begin to proclaim and preach the greatest message I've ever given to him. I'm like, come on, God's got bigger things for your life. Come on, don't settle for this. Come on, you can go forward. God loves you. Come on, let's move forward. He's like, I know, Pastor, I got, and I remember giving him a hug. I'm like, you good? He's like, I'm good. I go, we're dope. We're over this, right? We're over it. I go, great. I dap him up. I leave. Three months later, I get a call. And it's a correctional facility in Tacoma, Washington. I pick up the call, and it was a collect call, and I was like, do I want to pay for this or not? But whatever, you know. And, and I, uh, I, I hit it because I'm a good Christian. Uh, and I, I pick up the phone for him. And, uh, it, yeah, it was him. And he goes, oh, my gosh. He begins to tell me the exact same thing we met about. He did again. This time, it landed in prison. I learned something wild in this experience, and it's something I think many of us in our faith Maybe you haven't recognized it yet, but it's something that you walk in and you feel. It's part of this condition of living in a world and a culture that is, that is sometimes coming against us. What I learned with this young man is that he heard my advice, but he didn't really hear me. What Jesus is talking about here in this first one is there's a reality. That it is possible for you to have physical ears and hear, but not really hear. He says this is possible to have eyes and see, but not really See, 
I know this about Jesus, that if you actually see him, you actually hear him, he actually impacts your life. It changes everything about everything. The Bible says this, that we will know you follow Jesus by the fruit of your life. And if you're in this place and you've been coming to church for some time, or maybe you've been around church, and you're like, man, I, it's not really clicking. It's not really working. I don't know if this is really for me. Like, I believe in a God, but he hasn't shown up. Everything looks the same. My finances, my relationship, every aspect looks the same. I would maybe propose this to you this morning. That maybe you have heard, but not really heard. Because to hear really does transform everything. And the reality of our God is he gives us chance after chance after chance. But I, I just wonder this morning if, if it's not about your circumstance. It's not about what city you live in. It's not about what family you came from. It's about the posture of your heart currently. Because I believe this, that where our heart is, our feet will go. Where our heart is, our hands will go. Where our heart is, is what we will speak. And if you're struggling to follow Jesus right now, let's have a conversation about the heart. And in this passage, we see Jesus actually goes down and begins to give a very plain explanation of what he's talking about. Four different responses to the gospel, four different responses to his message. Three of them being one that neglects, one of them being one that follows. And it says that it is follow, but it produces a crop in their life. I want to tell you this, that God has a plan for your life that is not just lackluster, it's abundant. It's abundant. It's something you will not taste and see anywhere else in this world. The first one is this, that Jesus begins to tell the story. He goes, the first person that's not going to believe is one who will hear but not believe. Hear and not believe. Now, I believe a lot of us, our gauging of belief is based on our application. So if you are not applying the word, I don't know if you believe the word. Because if you believe something, this goes across the board. If you believe something, like saving money is a good idea, you will apply that to your life. If you believe that taking a shower every day is good for you, I'm not looking at Manny, no big deal, I'm just kidding. Uh, we just like made eye contact awkwardly there. You'll apply it to your life. In the same way, if you believe this word, you will apply it to your life. I believe this to be so true. That someone who hears but does not apply will not receive the word. And let's talk about application for a moment. What is application? Application is the process that Jesus has all of us to go. It's this laying down of my way and saying, God, I want your way. It's this saying, maybe I grew up a certain way. Maybe I was taught to live a certain way. But at some point, I got to trust that if your Bible says I am saved if I believe in you, I got to also believe that the way you ask me to live is important. Let's not just trust Jesus for salvation. Let's trust him for the way to live. And I believe you would see your life shifted massively if you began to walk and apply everything that he says. I'm not asking you to get it perfect. I'm not saying it's all going to work together. I am saying this, that we have a generation that sometimes looks at this Bible and because we are confused or overwhelmed, we don't open it, we don't apply it. This thing is no good if you don't apply it. I think a lot of us, what we do is we're good at hearing sermons, but we never apply them. The enemy would love for you to be able to sit in church services, but not take it to heart. How does he do this? I think oftentimes he'll numb us. He'll get us not to feel things anymore. Did anyone feel that during the pandemic? You're just like, I, I don't feel like I used to feel like... I'm in rooms and I don't feel present. Like, I know I'm here, but my head's elsewhere. The enemy can keep you numb. He knows you won't apply his word. The reality is, is if you will apply it, things will begin to shift massively. Because we can hear things. Like, I could preach right now and go, the grace of God on your life. 
the grace of God, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday, today, or tomorrow. God loves you and cares for you. Now, we can hear that, but not if, if it's not applied to our life. We will find ourselves slipping into this religious routine where we think we have to work, grind, and strive to get right with God. Now, many of us believe God for salvation. We believe the gospel. But we still have this religious mindset that says, I have to work my way closer to him. Let me help you out. God is omnipresent. You cannot be closer to God right now than you ever have. God is with you all the time. God is with you in church. God is with you out there. God is with you at your job, and he's with you when you're praying. Let's recognize that for a moment. God's present with us. What is his present? God being with us. What an honor. But if we don't apply grace to our life, then we think that we got to fix, we got to fix, we got to fix, we got to work. And then you find yourself tired, burnt out, and not coming to church. Because when I come to church, I feel guilty. No, you should feel conviction to walk in the application. Walk in the application with the love of God. If you cannot apply the love of God to yourself, you'll never apply it to other people. Why do we see people hurt other people? Why do we see pain? Why do we see brokenness? Well, we got a lot of people who maybe have heard that God loves us, that he knows every hair on our head, that he created us in our mother's womb, but if not applied to ourselves, a lot of us, we still walk in broken insecurity. When we look in the mirror, we don't see what God sees. I want to encourage some young people in this room that maybe you're like right now, your picture of how you should look is based on what you see in culture. I want to get you a fresh vision of your life. Worry less about the outward God concerned with the heart. And I'll tell you this, if you can begin to ask God for a new perspective, a new lens over your eyes, you can get his word in your heart, you'll begin to look at your life, look at who you are, and you realize God did not make a mistake with you. God did not mess up with you. But God's heart for you is one that is overwhelming and bursting with love. If God was to walk into this room, Jesus in the flesh, walk up to each and every one of us and look us in the eyes, he would not be upset. He would not judge you. He would not say, you're still struggling with that. You're still messing with that. If he was to look at you in the eyes, I think Jesus would tear up and overwhelm with love. He would say, my goodness, my child, my daughter, my son, I love you so much. You're doing better than you think you're doing. I've been with you your whole life. This is our God. So we can hear that, and it's cool. But if you don't apply that, you end up hurting other people because you're hurt. Like, sermons are dope, man. I like preaching. I love, I love it. Like, but if it stays here, it doesn't go out there, what's the point? We've been conditioned as a church sometimes, I believe, to believe this. It's incredible worship. But lots of us, we have begun to begin this thought. That the presence of God is active in a room like this, but not active out there. That God's power is pure. When the band's playing and the smoke is going, but when I go outside, it's just different. No, 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 no. The same spirit that's in this room is the same spirit alive in you at your job. Come on, power does not lack just because you're in a different location. God is not confined to a space anymore. Come on, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning wherever you go, God goes. Wherever you walk, God is with you. Remember, God's favor is just God's hand behind you. Come on, the same favor you feel in a room like this. All this should be is fire you up, inspire you to go out and live the life God's called you to live. There's so much more, and if you've compartmentalized it to just these Sunday morning gatherings, I would encourage you, there's more. God's called you for more. And his worship is not confined to this room. It's out there. we got to apply it. The next one we hear this is, is the author Jesus. He begins to go, okay, okay. First one, they're just not going to believe it. They're not going to apply it. But the second one, a seed's going to fall, and it's going to land on a heart. And it'll be there for a second, but the moment persecution shows up, 
it's going to get withered away. The worries of life, persecution is going to take it away. And, and you know what? I, I, have, I, I hang out with young people all the time, and I, I hear often, it's so hard to be a Christian in 2022. Like, do you even know? Like, and I'm like, explain to me. Well, like, if I'm on an airplane, like, if I bring my Bible out, someone, like, looks at me weird. Like, can you imagine if, like, if my friends saw what I posted on my story and they believed, like, I would get canceled, man. I just want to paint a picture for you for a moment. 2,000 2, people a month are being martyred for their faith. So let's not confuse mild social resistance for persecution. I actually believe if we're feeling resistance, it means we're doing something right. Because God says this, Jesus says this, hey, they hated me, which means they're going to hate you too. So I take it in honor. If someone's, if we, we do this thing at campus ministry, we show up at high schools, in this last one of the year, we show up, this room is packed out, we have the senior football player get up and preach uh, in front of all his friends, all his peers, all his football team, and his brother's there, he doesn't know Jesus, he gets up there, unashamed, just begins to talk about what Jesus has done in his life, preaches for 15 minutes, at the end of the set, he goes, all right, anyone want to give their life to God? Hands go up all over the room, including his brother. And I'm sitting here at 24, looking at a 17-year-old. Walk in this, and this is what I love, the Bible says this. That we do not live for the approval of man, we live for the approval of God. And I think if a church could get a spirit that understands that I no longer live for the approval, I no longer live for the clap, I don't know, I live for the likes, I live for the approval of my King and my Lord, King Jesus. He's the only name. But that's hard, right? Because I don't know if I can trust him. You can trust him. You can. He loves you. He cares for you. His authority over your life. Like, I, I think oftentimes we, we have this, this picture of, like, God as this weak, like, this baby Jesus in a, in a lamb, like, just kind of chilling. You know, I, I, my grandpa, I, I was at his memorial this last week. He's a legend in the faith. Uh, and I got to sit with uh, somebody that he did ministry with for 50 years. His life work was to translate the Bible to an Indian tribe in the nation of Panama. That at this point when he showed up, didn't even have a written language. So 20 years, he wrote a language, got it approved by the Panama government. 24 years after that, translated it into the Bible so that they would have the gospel. He would go there. He would live there for years. Incredible legacy he left. And at his, at his memorial, one of his uh, friends who helped the translation work, an actual Choco Indian, was there. And we're up there, like, cleaning out my grandpa's basement. If you know anything about missionaries, you know, they just like to collect random junk. And then they're like, hey, do you want this little trinket? I'm like, no, dude, what am I going to do with this elephant head? But, you know, uh, same with people who go to Israel. They go to Israel and they come back and like, did you know? And you're like, no, I didn't know that, you know. Uh, church dumb stuff. So um, I'm with them and I see the, the spear and I see this uh, staff. And I, I go, Ricardo, what's this? He goes, Mio. He brings me over. He goes, this is a great story about your grandpa. He begins to tell me this, that uh, in, in this little tribe, there was a witch doctor, and this witch doctor had the ability to curse people. Maybe you're here, you're like, I don't believe that. I'm like, well, we believe some more wild stuff. Some of y'all be playing with crystals, but you don't believe there's anything supernatural. So it just is what it is. Um, some, of y'all think, some of y'all think the Enneagram is equal to the Holy Spirit. It's just not. So um, don't put me in a box. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're a three. No, I'm not. I probably am, but, you know. Uh, so he goes, he was going tell me, he was this witch doctor. Uh, he would curse people. Um, and, and then at night, because everyone wanted to kill him, because he was evil. 
he would summon hundreds of snakes. He would put these staff down, and snakes would come from the river and, and go around his little hut so no one could get into him and take his life. So my grandpa, my, this, this Indian, this is a real story. He's telling this story. He goes, this is one of the first times your grandpa's preaching in the church we had just built. There's about 20 people in the room. There's an aisle down the middle. And he goes, as he's preaching, this witch doctor walks in the back two doors. And everyone in the room is like, this is the showdown. Like, we got this white guy who's got power. We got this, like, evil. They, they, they saw it coming. And he walks out. Everyone's, like, on the edge of his toes. And he said, my grandpa was sitting there. He said, the guy walks down the middle. And he looks at my grandpa. And he goes, hey, ever since you arrived, my power stopped working. And Ricardo looks at me. And he says, this was your grandpa's response. He looked this man in the eyes. And he said, that's because the power that you serve bows to the authority that I serve. And I go, hey, I just want to remind you for a moment that the depression you're walking in bows at the name of Jesus. That anxiety you're walking in bows at the name of Jesus. That situation that feels stressful, I don't know if it's going to work out. Can I just remind you for a moment that the same God that spoke the universe into existence, the same God that created you in your mother's womb, is the same God you have access to call to. The guy at the coffee shop's rude. You have God. He just doesn't know yet. Build equity. Build a relationship and love him. We got to be unashamed of the gospel. Grandparents, parents, you got to model what it's like to be unashamed of Jesus. This passive week, like, man, we're just going to hunker down and go to Montana. And Thank you for being in a hard city like Tampa. I, people are like, our city is great, but it's like the hardest place to have church. I love coming here. I just church on every block. We're like one of four churches in like a 50-mile radius. It's just the reality where we are. But God's called us there, and I'm not going to be ashamed. And if you feel like God's word is not working, the Bible says this, that if you're ashamed of me on earth, I, I'll be ashamed of you. And if your heart, it's not, hey, I don't know God. It's not, it's maybe because you've been given up at any sense of resistance. I believe on the other side of resistance is breakthrough. Come on, don't give up. Keep pushing, keep going. Five minutes left. The last one is this, that the band go ahead and hang. We see that he looks at the crowd and begins to tell them. Now, this third heart posture is one that we'll hear. But because of the deceitfulness of wealth, it'll go away. And you know what I think about this is in our culture, we could, we could really take that deceitfulness of wealth, Pastor, and we could just apply that to the deceitfulness of this culture. Like, like what this whole system of this world is trying to push us into. Like it's hard to graduate high school and you literally get assimilated and it's like a path. It's like join a frat, drink a ton, get addicted, make some money, get out, maybe get married later on, but it doesn't matter. For some of us, it's like I want to make money, so it's just this path of it's just grind, work, work, work up the wild my whole life. For some of us, it's I want to be pleasure, I want to be fulfilled, it's just sleep with whoever, do whatever. And there's a system of this culture that is trying to simulate it into it. And this one says there will be people who are here, but because of the deceitfulness of, of wealth, of money, of culture, it's, it's going to eat it up. And here's why I think this happens in our culture oftentimes. At the end of a service like today, and what we hear oftentimes is, is, is a pastor will go, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we want you to give an opportunity to make him your Lord and your Savior. 
Lord and your Savior. And I think many of us are comfortable with Savior. Like, who doesn't want to be saved? And not, not to be rude or anything, but like, congratulations, you're saved. But you did nothing to earn that. Like, your salvation, your eternal like security, you literally did nothing but be a bad human and have God save you. I'm speaking to myself. So salvation's cool, but like, you just received it. It was a gift. God gave his son to us. Now, now the lordship part is the one I think we struggle with. Because what is a lord in our life? Lord is someone that has power and authority over us. So we're saved, but we're also under. So my heart is his, but because now my heart is his, that means I am under. Which means the way I used to want to do life, I now got to give to God. The way that I used to do things, I now got to submit to him. The Bible says this, that his ways are higher than our ways. And where I think many of us have missed it is we have made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior in rooms like this. But he's just maybe Savior out there. You do money how you want to do money. You do relationships how you want to do relationships. You do your life. You do, your, you do all of it the way you want to do it. And I would propose to you this morning that if you feel a resistance to God's move in your life, it's probably because you have confined him to this room and you have said, God, cool with you being on, I'm cool with posting that pic that I went to Grace in Tampa, cool with getting the coffee, I'm cool with seeing my friends. But like, when it comes to my job, like, God, stay away. When it comes with my sexuality, God, stay away. When it comes with what I put in my body, God, stay away. And I would just, I would encourage you with this, that if anything is influencing you more than God, he's not your Lord. That's hard for me to swallow. If anything is influencing how you think, how you talk, how you walk, how you treat people, how you spend, more than God is, I don't know if he's your Lord. Because the gospel says this, the only prerequisite is you surrender. You say, God, I'm coming under you. God, I'm realizing that the way I do life, my strength, my might, my intellect, it fails in comparison to your glory. I'm just caught up in the reality that the God of the universe would choose me. And because of that, I have no other option than to say my life I give to you, Father. The way I go about my life, I give to you, Father. The way I treat people, I give to you, Father. And it's this word submission. I really believe this. We don't like this word in our culture. We like to overcome. We like to be winners. We like to be the strong one. But I really do believe this, that the level you are submitted is the level you will find Jesus work in your life. You're not submitted your, your finances to God. It's probably why you're not finding the favor there. You're not submitting your relationships to God. It's probably why it's broken and toxic. But if we could get a, get a gasp, get a revelation, begin to understand that, man, my life no longer belongs to me. That God, this body, it's yours. You want me to do that? Okay, I'll go. God, this mind you gave me to create, to do things, to sing, whatever it might be, to, to make money, to multiply, to lead, to speak, whatever it is. God, this is the gift you gave me. I just steward it and I give it right back to you. We got to surrender once again. Make him Lord of our lives. Lordship relationship is the key 
to your heart being one that receives the word and walks it out. What do you need to submit this morning? For some of us in this room, it's just one, it's one thing. You're going, man, right now, like, this girlfriend I have, she's the one guiding. That's awesome. He's not against girlfriends. He's just saying, submit to me, and I'll bring the person to you. Some of we're like, but my kids right now, they're everything to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, love kids. It's incredible. But the Bible says this, if you submit your kids to me, and you raise them up the way I've asked you to raise them, they'll never depart. Bible says, but money right now, I'm working. If I just go a couple more months, a couple more years, I'll get to that level and I'll find. Bible says this, that if you chase money for your whole life, it will lead you to despair. Bible says this, that money is actually just a tool to be used. And if you will submit that to God, what will happen? So begin to give you a vision and prophetic ways of how you can use it to influence the kingdom of God for bigger purposes. Every aspect of our life can be submitted. And once it is, that's a heart posture that doesn't just have a good outcome. God says it multiplies 30, 40, 50 times over. I don't know about you, church, but I want a life that multiplies. I don't want my legacy to just end with me, but I want to see people know Jesus for generations. I want to see this gospel message go farther than it stopped with me. I want to multiply. I want God to give me the abundant life he offers for me. And when God is your Lord, he will do more than you could ever think, ask, or imagine. Would you close your eyes all over this room? Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to worship you. But I thank you for every person here, God. Father, right now, would your Holy Spirit reveal? Love what the psalmist David writes. God, search my heart, oh God. Would you search right now for any area that is not yet under the lordship of Jesus? Any area is not submitted? Any area we're trying to do it in our own strength, our own might? Would you right now, just as a posture of surrender, if you want to give something up to him, you need to re-get your priorities straight once again. Come on, God's not mad at you. God's not angry. He just wants the best for you. But it takes us getting our hand off the grip of life, and it takes us open-handing, saying, God, just do what you want to do. I'm trusting your authority. I'm trusting your strong. I'm trusting your powerful. God, just use me. I'm submitted. Would you right now in your own heart just begin to pray those words to God? God, I'm submitted. For you, it's a certain area. Would you just begin to tell God he hears your thoughts? Just tell God, I'm submitting this, this marriage right now. I'm submitting this job I have right now. It's beautiful what will happen when you submit. I found that oftentimes when I submit, I'll be able to look for the good and not the bad. My heart is not full of gratitude. It's usually because I'm holding on to it. But the moment I submit it to God, I'm able to see like, wow, God, you are that good. Some of you have been cursing the very thing God's given you as a gift. It's just because it's not submitted. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone in this room this morning that you hear me talk about this person, Jesus, the Bible tells us this, that God saw that there was a disconnect. God saw that, man, we're broken, messed up people, and he wanted us to have a relationship with him. And there's only one way, only one way. Bible says this, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It says, no one comes to the Father except through me. The book of Romans says this, that anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. And this morning, I believe there's probably someone in here that maybe for the, for the first time ever, maybe you feel like you've drifted.
for you to recommit your life to Jesus. And the count of three, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to cheer you on. One, two, and three. Anyone need to give their life to Jesus in this room? not a better way to respond than to offer our life as worship. I think there's a posture of worship that oftentimes if we didn't get what we want out in the world we come into church, it's almost like we're throwing a pouty fit with God. Like you haven't been doing what I want you to do. I just want to remind you this morning, God is not your magic genie, he's your Lord. Which means this, you might not always get what you want the way you want it. But as believers, we say, God, if you didn't do another thing for me for the rest of my life, what you did on that cross is more than enough. So are there any believers in this room that say this moment moving forward, the cross is what I'm looking at, my sin is behind me, my flesh is behind me, the way I used to live is behind me, and I'm pressing forward to the way, God, you've asked me to live. So Holy Spirit, would you ignite new faith in this room? Would you re-inspire us? God, I pray that dreams would be awakened. God, I pray that areas that we have been holding on to, that God, you would show up in miraculous ways and show up in a way that only you can. So God, we submit our lives to you. We declare on this place that in 2022, you are still King. You are still Lord. You are still our healer. You are still our comforter. You are more than enough. Come on, so when we sing this together, we declare it with all that we have. Come on, church. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.